The League of Women Voters is a people's organization that has fought since 1920 to improve our government and engage all Americans in the decisions that impact their lives. Formed from the movement that secured the right to vote for women, the centerpiece of the League's efforts remains to expand participation and give a voice to all Americans. Our issues are grounded in our respected history of making democracy work for all Americans. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Finding Perspectives, focused on empowering and educating our community on voting and key issues impacting all of Arlington and Alexandria. My name is Krista Jones, and I'm excited to host this podcast produced by the League of Women Voters of Arlington and Alexandria City. The General Assembly session has started, and our legislators are debating a number of important bills. Listen to this conversation with State Senator Barbara Favola, former Arlington County Board member, as she reviews some of the highlights of 2023 and what we might expect during the remainder of the 2024 regular General Assembly session. Enjoy the conversation. so much, Senator Favola, for joining us on our podcast. There was a lot that happened, I know, in 2023 in the General Assembly, but could you focus on some of the three key issues that were debated and considered in the Virginia General Assembly in 2023? Well, I would say the main issue evolved around sort of the cultural wars and our public schools. Mm -hmm. We had bills that essentially banned books. We had bills that directed school systems to adopt policies regarding a transgender youth that were not respectful. Mm-hmm. We had policies that uh, we had budget amendments, if you will, that transferred public money to charter schools without a lot of guardrails, without a lot of expectations or accountability for these charter schools. So That cluster of issues took up a lot of time, and they were worthy of debate. Some of these things I thought we had already decided uh, as a society and as a community, but Governor Youngkin had very different views on what the role of public education should be, and I think somewhat naive views on what the role of parents should be, because parents have had a very significant role through their school boards and PTAs and uh, and other venues regarding their the education of their children. And it's the most important thing a, a family does is decide on the education that their child is going to get, what public school the child's going to go to. So parents have always been very engaged, but sort of a new kid on the blocks perspective was was brought to the General Assembly. And then we did have a lot of agreement in the General Assembly with the governor on uh, bolstering our mental health system. Mm -hmm. And that was good. The governor was very clear that he wanted same-day access, and this was to mental health services, and this was something the Democrats had laid the foundation for, and we had been working very hard to achieve. But he was willing to, to put an infusion of money, certainly on the table, And then we were together uh, with his administration and Democratic leaders, and I'm proud to say I was one of them. We carved out exactly where the gaps were so we could identify how we could create a system where 
an individual is diverted from jail, gets services in a crisis rehabilitation center, has access to a mental health bed, if that's what the individual needs, or can be returned to his community to get ongoing mental health services. So I found that very rewarding. Those conversations were robust and we moved the needle forward. And that was great. You know, and then of course, the backdrop was all about tax and spend issues. It did take us a while to adopt amendments to the biennium budget in 2023, and in part because uh, the governor's tax cut perspective was very different than, than where the Democrats were in the Senate. So there was a lot of negotiating there. And I think we ended up in an okay place, but I kept reminding people, lawmakers and advocates and anybody who would listen that, you know, once you provide a tax cut, that money is gone forever. It's an ongoing expense. And if your economy were to shrink and you don't have as much revenue coming in, then funding for your core services is compromised. Those are big conversations in terms of what should be cut and what should be funded. So I guess those are the three major areas that there was a lot of conversation on and give and take. And we had the House of Delegates was in Republican control and the Senate was in Democratic control. So we sort of addressed things very methodically. <laughs> the um, The Senate was a blue brick wall on some of these very extreme bills that came through. And if I may add a fourth topic to the conversation, uh, certainly access to abortion care, access to contraceptive care. Uh, the whole area of women's health was hotly discussed as well. Now, fortunately, the Democrats in the Senate disposed of those extreme bills that were going to place an abortion ban on women or criminalize providers or reduce access to contraceptive care. Those bills were disposed of right away in our committees. They, um, they never got out of committee. But it was an interesting year when you think that these topics were actually considered to be something that the government should move forward on. <laughs> right. Um, so. Right. Yeah. Thank you for that overview. You're right. Those were some that's a good way, I think, to characterize just from my perspective um, from what happened in 2023. And as we look to 2024, what do you see being some of the priorities in this General Assembly session? In 2024, well, it's going to be very interesting. Again, we have Democratic control now of the House of Delegates, Democratic control of the Senate. And I think certainly gun safety will be a very big topic. And that will be an area where both chambers will agree and both chambers will put bills on the governor's desk that will sort of test where he is. The whole topic of gun safety, he Governor Yunkin's never really said uh, where he would draw the line, where he would say to, say, the Citizens Defense League, you're too extreme, way too extreme on this Second Amendment interpretation. We should, in fact, ban assault weapons. I don't know if the governor will say that, but we'll give him an opportunity to say that. Um, I think we're going to see bills on state of you know, the safe storage of firearms. So these are the bills are going to... Um, help define that topic in a way that we were not able to define it in the past with this governor. I think going into 2024, you're going to see an effort. We will get language passed that would 
create a constitutional amendment, a referendum on access to abortion care. So I'm pretty sure that we will get language passed on that, but we'll also have to come back and pass that same language in 2025, have a General Assembly election in November 2025 and come back in 2026 and pass that same language again. So it's a process, but but the governor is not involved in these constitutional amendment pieces of legislation. We do not need his signature. So that's interesting. I'm sure the, the General Assembly is going to want to take on the topic of restoring, automatically restoring voting rights to felons. And I'm sure that we're going to once again talk about removing language in our constitution, state constitution that defines marriage as between a man and a woman. Basically, since the Supreme Court, the composition of this, the U.S. Supreme Court has changed so drastically, I think folks are are really uh, concerned about providing the protection to same-sex marriages that at one time we had because of this, the U.S. Supreme Court ruling, but now given a different composition of SCOTUS, it could be at risk. So those are going to be the major topics. We'll also be talking about tax and spend issues again. This is the first year of a biennium budget, so we'll see how things go with that conversation. I, for one, believe that we do have a lot of unpaid bills that that the state needs to fix before we give tax cuts. Uh, we had a rather scathing report from JLARC saying how underfunded our public education system is and how Virginia as a state spends very little in state dollars on the per pupil cost of educating when you compare Virginia student to other states rather so I would like to see a lot of funding for K through 12 education, and so would our school systems. Uh, and we're going to continue to work on mental health issues. That'll be a big topic. We may make some progress on the environment. It's very important. Climate change exists. You know, you can't be a science denier. You've got to deal in the real world. You've got to acknowledge that people want clean air and they they don't want their homes to be flooded and we want to leave you know a beautiful clean healthy environment to our children so we need to take steps to deliver on that so i'm i'm expecting there'll be some meaningful environmental bills that go before governor yunkin and we'll see what happens there so it'll be a very interesting time absolutely and what are some of the bills that you filed or plan to file for this session Oh, thank you so much for asking. I'm going to go back. And I, you know, last year it garnered national attention. Even the President Biden commented on my menstrual health data bill. I was very much trying to protect menstrual health data that's stored on an app from law enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want, you know, search warrants to be issued to check a woman's menstrual health data. Uh, so maybe I can prevail this year. I don't know, but I'm going to try once again. And, you know, I've I've also I have a bill that creates a safe haven. So providers in the Commonwealth who perform an abortion on an individual who was seeking an abortion but came to Virginia from a state that had banned abortion, we want the provider protected and we want that woman protected from any extradition. So those are just those are sort of common sense things that you really want to nail down. And I would think the majority of Virginians would agree sort of regardless of where you are on the abortion debate. I mean, this is about privacy and, and dignity, and you don't want to criminalize women or providers. 
So I think those two arguments might very much help the passage of my bills. I don't know if they'll help Governor Youngkin sign them. And then, of course, I'm I'm doing a lot in the foster care space, which I always have. I'm trying to set up a formal program where relatives and victim kin who are taking in children who would otherwise be in our foster care system get some financial support and get some case management services and and maybe mental health counseling services or services that the youth might need to thrive. I'm working very hard with groups that are supporting these relative families, which is a big effort. I am working on legislation to improve our IEP system. Uh, Not all children in the Commonwealth who are in need of special education services are really getting the services they need. And so we're trying to, to look at where the gaps are, how can the state help? And we want to ensure that every child has an opportunity to succeed in the Commonwealth. That's another very big bill. I have uh, bipartisan support for that. I'm working with a Republican delegate in the House on that one. And then I move on to gun safety, where I have always worked hard in the domestic violence space. As you know, when I was a county board member, I uh, was one of the founding members of Project Peace. So Mm -hmm. proud that it's still going forward. And um, we found is uh, for folks who were actually convicted of assault and battery of a household or family member, uh, they are required by current law to turn over their firearm. Some turn it over to police or they turn it over to a licensed firearm dealer. Others, by law, can turn it over or can transfer the firearm to somebody who's legally eligible to, to own it as long as that person doesn't live with the offender. What we're finding is many of the offenders are not. They're transferring firearms or they say they're transferring firearms and they're really not. And some of the survivors are very frightened and want stronger legislation. Mm -hmm. And I'm working on that. And uh, Delegate Bennett Parker is uh, carrying the House version of that in the House of Delegates. And then we'll see where I'm uh, hoping to make progress in the environment. I'm not sure. I've got a bill that is going to help schools get solar roofs. And I will be playing a role, certainly, in the allocation of our state resources. I'm very much looking forward to this new budget year. And I've got great ideas for uh, for how the state can actually make the investments it needs to make. Excellent. So a lot of people listening to this are advocates and they definitely want to make an impact on the policies that are important to them. Over the years, what, based on what you've seen over the years, what advice do you have for 2024 for advocates, people who really want to do what they can to make sure policies that they care about passed and implemented? Well, first, let me say I'm very blessed. Uh, For 12 years, I had a district that had portions of Arlington, portions of Fairfax, and portions of Loudoun. Now going forward, my entire Senate district's contained within Arlington, but my constituents throughout the years have been very active and very savvy and very well organized on issues they care about. I consider that to be a blessing. One of the most important things advocates can do is to all is to get on the same page with like-minded advocates, mm-hmm. clearly identify the problem, their top priority and the problem they really want solved that in this session. And then 
be very strategic about talking to the lawmakers who will sit on the committees that will hear the bill, talking to lawmakers on the finance and appropriation committees so they are aware of what's coming and what the need is. And then get to your lawmakers, if you can, have individual meetings before session starts, if it's possible. And if that's not possible, then meet with the staff of the uh, respective lawmakers. Contacting lawmakers during session really matters. Emails, uh, phone calls to the office. We all are aware of who's contacting us. We're all aware of the hot topics. Our staff keep track of where constituents are. So that's just really important. And again, our constituencies up here, especially in Northern Virginia, are so aware of how government works. And I really noticed the difference. Folks who sort of live near D.C., folks who have been professional lobbyists or you know, work in government affairs for different groups or very active in nonprofit groups really need very little training. They do such a great job. And, and I've gotten some great ideas for bills from advocates. I really have. And, and I'm grateful for that. The last piece of information I would provide is I think folks should go to the websites of their lawmakers and sign up for the newsletter because every lawmaker I know sends something out weekly with updates on where on where legislation is. And I think that could be helpful. Excellent. So lastly, if you could provide one piece of advice to the residents in your district, your constituents in 2024, what would that be? One piece of advice. Well, stay engaged. 2024 is going to be a very important year. And government only works when residents demand that it work. Government is only transparent when residents and voters demand that it be transparent. So staying engaged is really, really important. And then after the General Assembly session, I mean, we're going to be in the midst of a presidential election. And I, I don't have to say to our listeners how important this presidential election is going to be. You know, so much of the funding that I was able to distribute, if you will, or be part of the appropriation effort that got dollars into our schools to upgrade HVAC systems, that got dollars to landlords and tenants so folks were not evicted during COVID. All of that was federal money. You know, it was one-time money, but President Biden came forth with those bills, the CARES Act, the ARPA Act. They, it was his effort and the effort of for the most part, Democrats in Congress that really stepped up. And I can't emphasize how important it is to have a strong federal partner when the state is trying to move forward on all kinds of issues, on equity issues, on access to better health care. All of those things are really important. And to have a strong federal partner matters as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Senator Favola, for joining us. And we look forward to working with you throughout the year. Thank you. This was a great interview. I, I hope I gave you some information you can use. And Krista, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. Thank you. for listening to Finding Perspectives. We hope you learned a little more about this important topic and consider how it will factor into your voting decisions. For more information about the League of Women Voters of Arlington and Alexandria City, 
go to my.lwv.org backslash Virginia backslash Arlington. Follow us on Facebook at LWV Arlington, on IG at LWV A-R-L-A-L-E-X City, or Twitter or X at LWV Arlington VA. Mm-hmm.